primary. But I think that if we all do it, I think it'll be an awesome, awesome six weeks. See, we have to get in the game. And we all get in our ruts. Those are routines that may start healthy and even helpful, but they end up being something else. Anyone ever been there? You get into a routine, and this routine, you're go it's like a treadmill. And it seems like you're on this routine, but you're not going anywhere. You end up in a rut, and you end up with really no purpose in life. And in fact, you find that you really don't have purpose in life until Jesus becomes first. Maybe your routine has made you feel exhausted. Maybe your routine has made you feel lazy or bored. Or maybe you feel like you're no longer accomplishing what you once did. You might feel like you are no longer accomplishing maybe even that relationship with God that maybe you had at one time. Maybe there's someone here that you started out, as people say, on fire with God, and you see you dwindling down. I want to tell you that today's the day that we put Jesus first so that kindling will begin to burn in our hearts. I want to talk about getting back in the game. I want to talk about the power of story. You see, when we talk about the game, we train so that we can get in the game. And you may be here today, and you may feel like you've been training to be in the game with God, but it's time that you get in the playing field. Are you with me? When we go to a sporting event like basketball or baseball, there are three groups of people. First, there are the players in the game, and that's what God has designed us to do. He designed you, yes, you, to be a participant in this game called faith in Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think that is so remarkable that God has already prepared something for us to do. Second, there's guys on the bench, and these are on the Jesus team, but they're not playing. They've been to a lot of practices, but when it comes to the game, they're just sitting on the bench. And when that happens, when we sit on the bench too much, we can become critical. You ever notice that bench players become critical? We can become unproductive. We can become lazy. We can forget that life is about getting in the game, not watching the others play. Here's the thing, beloved. 
watching the others play, you will criticize. But when you get in the game, you will see how much difficulty it can be at times, but how faithful God is no matter what we're going through. And then thirdly, there are the spectators in the stands. They're not on the team. They're just watching. I thank God that I am no longer a spectator because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. So my challenge is to put the ball in play and for all of us to, to get in the game. How about you? Where do you see yourself in the picture? Maybe you're wondering if you're even on the team. You see, for 26 years of this guy's life, I was outside of the team. I went to church occasionally, but I didn't have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of us have ever done that? I was only religious. Then one day, God broke down my pride. And I trusted in Jesus as my all. Because I came to the conclusion that being religious would not save me. So I trusted in the finished work of the cross of Jesus. And I started a living relationship with God Almighty. And there's nothing like it. I went from being a spectator to being on the team. And maybe you're in that position today. You're in the right place because God is here with us and his desire is for you to be on the Jesus team. And if you're on the team, guess what? He wants you in the game. Are you excited to be all God has designed you to be? So the first message in this series, I've titled it, The Power of Story. The Power of Story. Because God is going to show us in the Gospel of John how powerful a story can be. And I'm going to use four points to illustrate this fact. The first point that I want to share before we even go into the story is that there is, we all have a story, so let's talk about your story. Your story. Because we all have one. And one of the biggest plays that we often forget to implement as members of God's team is sharing our story. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you shared your story with someone? Our story is so powerful because when it includes Jesus Christ and an encounter with him, people are impacted and the devil trembles. In fact, the Bible puts it like this. It talks about they, believers, they triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. So believers, Christians on God's team, they overcome the devil by trusting in what Jesus has done for us and by sharing our story. I never get tired of sharing my story. 
And you know why I don't get tired of sharing my story? Because it's all, it always includes Jesus. If my story didn't include Jesus, it would be nada. But my story includes how faithful and good and merciful and compassionate this God is who met me that one day. And it, guess what, beloved? It's your story, too. He met you one day, too. Your story is so important. But sometimes we think our story is too weak or too normal or too evil. And so we don't want to share. We don't want to share it with the world around us. Sometimes we think we can only share our story if we have it all together. How many of you ever thought that? But the reality is that we will never have it all together. And this is one of the greatest attributes of our story. You see, God has a plan to make our story a testimony to his greatness. I tweeted that this week because I think it's powerful. God has a plan to make our story a testimony to his greatness. The question is not whether we have a story. The question today is will we share our story? You see, God has someone who needs to hear your story. Who will be impacted by your story. And how we are now part of God's story and part of his plan. You know, there was a lady who met Jesus at a well. And she had a story. And she found out how important her story was to God. So let's go to point number two. The Bible story. You know what I love about the word of God? Is that the stories in the Bible which are true accounts or parables or wherever they may be, they meet my story and they give me hope. When I read the Bible, I find out that there's no perfect people in the Bible except for one and that's Jesus. And I find out that God met those people just like he met me. And he loved me before I did anything worthy of love. And that's exactly what's going to happen in this story where God meets this woman and he loves her. Let me, re let me read, but let me pray. Father, we thank you as we read um, the first part of John 4. We pray your blessing over your word. Pray your blessing over me as your vessel. And pray in Jesus' name that every person here will be edified and blessed and challenged impacted in a way that, that they will be uh, uh, stirred in their hearts to be all that you've called us to be, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 4, the, the first part starts out like this. It says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. That's talking about Jesus having to go through this region, Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily 
beside the well about noontime. So that kind of helps us to know what time the setting is. It tells us that Jesus was tired, he was weary, and he sat down because he was thirsty. That helps us to know that Jesus got tired. Amen? Got thirsty. Sat down to rest. And it was about noontime, the heat of the day. Okay? Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now there's a reason that she asked that question. She asked that reason because Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans did not like Jews. And it was enough for a Jew to talk with a Samaritan, but for a Jewish teacher, a rabbi like Jesus, to talk to a Samaritan was even worse. Because a rabbi had this high place in the Jewish thought process. And then for him to talk with a Samaritan woman alone was over the top bad. This passage opens up with a statement, Jesus had to go through Samaria, and this is very important for us to grab a hold of. Jews did not go through Samaria. When they traveled in this area, they would literally add hours and even days to their journey and go around the land of Samaria so they could avoid contact with these people. That's how much they did not like. Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria because there was no way around. Because he knew there was a way around. He had to go through there because God had a plan. And he wanted to teach his disciples what this plan of God is all about. That God loves Samaritans and God loves women. Because women were always thought as second class citizens in this economy and this story teaches us a lesson because we don't have the Samaritans around but we all have someone whom we are trying to avoid is there someone in our lives that we try to avoid come on church people uh-huh You see, God believes that everyone is special. He believes everyone is unique. Everyone has a story that wants the world to hear. And he wants to make their story great. You ever thought about that? Believe me, the Lord, as I was putting this together, he really spoke to my heart about individuals and how he wants to make your story great. And any time that we conf get confronted with Jesus in our lives and our story becomes about what he becomes, our story will be great. So here's her story. The woman at the well did not know much about Jesus, but Jesus knew all about her. See, 
There may be someone in this service that you don't know a lot about Jesus. You've heard about him. You know, now, yeah, they call him the Savior. The, all you, you've heard these things, but you don't know a lot about him. But here's the thing about God is he knows everything about us. And she was important enough to him that he would stop his busy schedule to hear her story. Because she had an experience that was worth sharing. Jesus replied, and as we go on in verse 13, he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. It's funny that, that uh, Mike, as he led us in prayer today, he talked about living water. Lord, we're here, but we want you to fill us with living water. Jesus said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again this is good but it's not as good as Jesus but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life and so this woman says please sir please sir the woman said give me this water then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus looked at her, and I really believe that he looked at her with eyes of compassion, with eyes of love, and he says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. And she said, <clears throat> I don't have a husband. The woman replied, and Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Could you imagine the woman? Hijo la nada. How did you know? That's why I come at noontime to the water to get, to get uh, water at this well because all the other women who talk about me aren't here. Think about it. You see, no one goes to the, to the well to get water at the hottest part of the day. They all go when? Early morning. Before the sun comes up. But because this woman had a reputation... She came at noontime. But Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with this woman who had a story. Amen? It's interesting how Jesus used a conversation about water to lead us to profound truth. You see, we don't have to bring our friends and our family, and, and this is important, I think. We don't have to bring our friends and our family to church to talk about God. Are you with me? Now, it's good for us to come to church, and we do talk about God at church, but we don't have to wait to talk about the truth of God until we get to church. The Jesus teaches us that talking about faith and God can be and should be a regular feature in our conversations. 
The conversation started with Jesus being tired and thirsty and needy and led him to reveal to the woman that she was indeed the one who needed God and needed his living water. Jesus teaches us that one of the best ways to get through a spiritual barrier is admitting that we're needy. Jesus teaches us church people that one of the ways to get through a spiritual barrier, the walls that go up from unbelievers, is to let them know that we are needy. Give me a drink. He's the Lord of glory. He could have snapped his finger and had a drink right there. But he teaches us a very important concept, and that is that us as God's people, we don't have to walk around acting like if we have it all together, because we don't. See, we need to walk around with this in our, in our mindset. We are second, and that's why we need God. Jesus teaches us a very important point. Going needy into situations, admitting weakness, being honest about doubt and struggles can really open up doors with people who have walls up. You mean, Pastor Washburn, you mean you're having some doubt? Mike West, you mean you're having a struggle? Yeah. That's why I need God. Because I'm second. You see, when we're first, we don't need anything. But when we're second, we need the one who's first. See, this is Jesus. This is, this is Jesus teaching us how we are supposed to live. He goes to a woman who the town might have been calling a hoochie-coochie. Can you say that in church? That's what towns. You just did, Pastor. I'll be hearing about us. The reality is, isn't that what towns do? Go to Lordsburg, New Mexico, Brewine. Go uh, 15, 16 years ago. You mean James Reed? going into ministry or before that he's a Christian now he can't be I know what he's done but Jesus had an appointment are you with me can I tell you where I've said this Jesus didn't meet me in church Jesus met me at a party And said, is this what you want? Is this how you want to end up? Why did I say there has to be more to life than this? 
because God was stirring my heart and said, you don't need this. You need this. And that's exactly what happened as Jesus met this woman at the well. No one else was going to her. Hear me now, beloved. There are people around us, think about it, that no one is going to. We pass them by all the time. They might be our neighbors. They might be, they might be a, a friend, a, a, someone that was in our lives before. It, it, there's a lot of different factors. There are people all around us that people pass them all the time. But that's not the Savior that we know. Because he teaches us that that story of that lady at the well was so important to him that he knew she had been married five times and the dude that she was with was not her husband. And so church people were like this, really? 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 need something. Give me a drink of water. Because you need something. Amen? You need something. How can we, uh, how can we, as we go through this I Am Second series, how will we be able to start conversations Spiritual conversations, because we all talk, don't we? I walked into the church building today. I walked into the service, and someone, I mean, uh, people came, came in, talked to me, different things. Saw some beautiful elk that got killed. Praise the Lord for that. I'm not a hunter. I'm sorry for saying that. A lot of different conversations going on, but I'm telling you, there's, there, how do we start a conversation? Well, I'm hoping, because I'm always looking for an opportunity to share my story, and more than that, God's story working in me. I'm hoping that maybe this. Man, I got water on me. I'm hoping that maybe this may start a conversation that for, for the next six weeks on Sunday mornings, I'm going to wear an I am second shirt. And I go to Circle K every morning before I come into the, to the church building and to the service. And I'm hoping that maybe someone will ask me, what does that shirt mean? Let me tell you. I used to try to be first in my life, but I found out being first don't work. So I let God be first. And I'm second. So it would be a wonderful way for, for every one of us. We're, we have bracelets. I am second bracelets. You might want to get a bracelet. 
in the back, you can purchase one for two bucks. You might want to get a shirt. You don't need a shirt to start a conversation with someone, amen? But it may be a way for us to start. Small groups are going to be going on all over our areas, and we have over 100 people that have signed up to be a part of a group. We, we minister to approximately 400 people weekly. So one-fourth one of those people are saying, I want to be in these small groups. Praise the Lord. Because I believe whether it's 100, whether it's 20, 30, 40, wherever we start, if these individuals really grab a hold of the I am second mindset, I think we can turn our world upside down around it. Point number three. Telling our story. We all have a story. There's a Bible story. How do we tell or why should we tell our story? I know this, that an encounter with Jesus will always thrust us, catapult people to share their story about his greatness. And an, an encounter with Jesus will always thrust you. It will always take you to share about the greatness of Jesus. This is exactly what happened to the Samaritan woman. The Bible says, the woman left her water jar beside the well, verse 28, and ran back to the village telling everyone. And let's just stop right there. The woman left her water jar at the well, and she ran. To the village, to the people that she did not associate with, to tell them about her encounter. How many of us run out of church? Not to McDonald's. Not to Casa Rivera. I'm getting, I'm getting closer. Not to La Casita. Funny, I'll go to La Casita and all the church people are there. Wasn't church so good? But how many of us run after an encounter with Jesus to go tell people about how amazing he is. There are some. There are some. This woman at the well, she didn't care about what they thought about her. She cared about what God thought about her. And she got a very, very good example of how much God loved
she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. I, and I love that because religion, here's the thing about religion. Religion will tell you everything that you're doing, how wrong you are. But it's amazing to me that when Jesus comes into our lives, he'll t he knows everything about us. But when he says, this is who you've been, he says, but I love you and I'm going to change your life. He doesn't even say, I'm going to change your behavior. He says, I'm going to change your life. Your behavior will change when you see God change your life. He changes our heart. He changes our mind. He changes our soul. Because he becomes first. Come and see a man who told me everything. The Bible account is short because the Bible says that she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus, he might have said, you know what, honey, you've done this and you've done this. Everything I ever did. she grabbed a hold of what he had for her she did not want to keep it to herself come and see this man who told me everything how powerful is that if every person in here if 80% if of the people in this church were to grab a hold of Jesus and you were to go out to your world and you would say, come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever done and he loves me and I love him. We'd add a third service. We'd add a fourth service. We'd add a fifth service because everyone, everyone is looking for the answer. And the answer is God. That woman had been married four times, five times. DJ, get it right. She was looking for an answer. I don't look down on that because she was looking for a source. But these men were not the answer. You know why I don't put her down? Because Jesus didn't put her down. And how many of us have been there looking for an answer, looking for a source, looking for something to sustain us, looking for something? But if you get married without God, you will not have the answer. If you, get, if you win the lottery, if you get rich without God, if you become an actor without God and you don't have God, you have nothing. That's why Stephen Baldwin and his wife in Tucson were led to Jesus through their housekeeper because she had the answer. Are you with me, beloved? 
Are you with me? She told her story. How many of you can go right now to someone and say, I don't know a lot about theology. Notice, she didn't go and preach a sermon. I've got three points. She didn't do that. She, all she said is, I have a story and God knows my story. number four the power of story it's amazing to me that God did not use the most influential Samaritan of that village to touch the lives of the people it's amazing to me that Jesus who knows everything did not go into the city square and go to the mayor, go to the most influential person and say, I want to touch your life. He went to the one that was most non-influential. He touched her life and she impacted her town. That's huge. Because there's power in story. That's why we have such a difficult time sharing our story. Because when you begin to share your story, and especially how Jesus has come in and met you where you needed him, there will be power beyond your comprehension. Her story became... A story that would touch many lives. The Bible says many Samaritans from that village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. It says that many Samaritans who hated Jews put their trust in the king of the Jews. The Isn't that big? Let that sink in and see how huge that is. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed there for two days. They had a revival. I could just see it. They had a revival. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Now we believe. Now we believe. Not just because of what you told us. That tells me that her story was powerful. Amen? Now we believe, not, because, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Now check this out, beloved. When we tell our story, and it's powerful because God's involved, can I tell you something? They're going to say, man, I, this Jesus, I need, to, I need him in my life. And then when they go beyond that, then they will hear him for themselves. And they'll say, I've heard him. How do they hear him? Through the word of God. Amen? 
Remember what Stephen Baldwin said? He said, I began to read the Bible. I wanted the Bible to speak to me. And when the Bible speaks, it speaks the words of Jesus. Jesus will speak directly into the lives of people. But it starts a lot of times with us, us sharing our story. Because there's power in your story. Beloved, I, I'm looking at every one of you guys, and as I see your face, I see power in your story. I see the power of God, how he got you at one time, how he brought you in where you were at. And how amazing he is in your life. Some of you, he met you at a hospital bed. Some of you, he met you on the road. Some of you, he met you at a, at a, at a very dark place in your life. Some of you were needy. Some of, it's all a different stories, but he all met us somewhere. And we all have a story. And our story is very important to God. wants to make us a part of his story. Beloved, one woman's story became the catalyst that brought the whole town to Jesus. It became the tool that God used to bring his message to a lost world. What will God use your story for? Who will God touch by using your story? It's only going to begin with you willing to share your story. Can I say this? People want to hear it. People need to hear it. How do we apply this? How do we apply this? Here's six ways, okay? During the next several weeks, we are going to walk through a game plan that will get us all in the game. Are you with me? We're going to learn how to share our story how to share the story of Jesus and how to invite our circles of influence into spiritual conversations and hopefully even into I am second small groups where they can discover God's plan for their lives. And after we finish our six-week journey, we will all be encouraged to take what we've learned and share it with our circles of influence. I think it's very important that we begin to consider who we will share our story with. Even right now, there's someone that needs to hear your story and who we can invite to join us. To church, to a small group, but more importantly, invite them to Jesus. I want for each of us to consider where God wants us and where he wants us to get in the game.
Let's all bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Every week we have an invitation for those that may want to start their, their walk with Jesus at the center. And this is no different this week. I believe that God brought you here because he wanted you to hear the story of how he can change lives because your story is important to him. He wants to start a life with you and bring you into a place of forgiveness, bring you into a place of newness, bring you into a place of fulfillment and completeness. And if you're here today and maybe God spoke to your heart and you just want to start your life with him at the center, just raise your hand and let me pray a simple prayer with you. I see your hand in the back, dear lady. Yes, I see your hand as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Everyone pray this with me, if you will. God, I am a sinner who needs your forgiveness. I admit that I have not given you first place in my life. But today, that's going to change. I am making the choice to take the second seat and allow you to take center stage in my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins and offering me complete forgiveness. I confess that Jesus died for my sins, past, present, and future. And I receive your forgiveness today. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day just like the scriptures foretold. So today, I am making a choice to follow him in the fellowship of his church. Thank you for the gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God is so good. Why don't we all stand up and give the Lord praise.
Amen. So our, as I dismiss you guys, so our groups are starting this week, and I am so excited about what's going to be happening. I know that God's going to move, and if you're not part of a group, there's still room for you to get, to get connected with the groups. And uh, just stay with us as we go through this six-week campaign because we know that Jesus is going to be first, and we are going to be what? Second. I am second. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.